0: All right,
1: welcome uh, to More to Come, PW Comic World's uh, weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel. Publishing uh, recorded uh, in this particular in- uh, instance uh, on the floor of Special Edition. Uh, Read Pop's uh, newest, uh, uh, smaller, uh, and supposedly less frenzied show. And indeed, it is uh, fairly less frenzied than the usual show that we've come to expect. Um, uh, it's in the North End uh, at the Javits Center, and I'm uh, at the Comic Book Legal Defense. On table talking with uh, Charles Brownstein, the uh, executive uh, director. Thanks for being on. More to come. Good to be here, Calvin. Uh, so, could you before we get started, could you sort of set the scene for um, people out there in podcast land about where we are? We're sitting on the floor of.
2: Uh, I think this is called Javits North. Javits North which is uh, a, a civilized extension of the Javits Center which is otherwise <laughs> the worst building in New York City. But but it's uh, you know it's a pleasant environment We're beneath these naturally lit uh, white walls in this kind of aircraft hangary environment with a DJ up front spinning alternatively geek media themes and <laughs> okay. you know uh, di- different kinds of uh, music and people are having a good time. Yeah. It's uh, it's a Definitely less frenzied version of what people have come to expect from New York Comic Con. It feels less like walking through Times Square and more like walking through a farmer's market in Greenpoint. Yes, except <laughs> it's not
1: produce; it's comics. And yes, it's comics, and it's you know it's the usual collection of dealers and publishers, and obviously, but the uh, CBLDF here, you're here uh, talking about comics and our First Amendment, comics in the Constitution, <laughs> in one way of looking at it. Um, uh, um how how does this show serve your purpose
2: uh for how you you know talk about what the organization does and your mission any opportunity to engage with the readership audience is an opportunity that we pursue and so yeah this is a great opportunity to meet folks in a more relaxed setting and be able to talk to them about their first amendment rights and about their freedom to read which is you know under attack as we and I've discussed in the past but you know just right now we're talking about the fact that bone was the 10th most mm-hmm. banned and challenged book of 2013 or fun home in South Carolina mm-hmm. was the subject of a actual budget restriction yeah. that the state placed on higher education and so there's a lot happening right now that I think is not foremost in people's minds, but that they're really glad to learn about when they stop by. So yeah, I would say this is a great opportunity for, for us and for the groups. Just very quickly for our listeners who may not know what the CBLDF is, uh, tell a little bit about what your mission is. And sure. The, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is a nonprofit organization that protects the freedom to read comics, and we've been around since 1986 protecting... Issues involving the First Amendment. So, when retailers or artists or readers now are finding themselves facing prosecution for the content of the comics that they make or that they sell or that they read, we're the group that steps in. And increasingly, we are also working to fight challenges to comics and graphic novels in schools and libraries, which is happening with greater frequency every year. Well, and uh, actually, obviously, that's one of the things I want to talk about with you also. Um,
1: BAM Books Week is coming up, an annual event to focus on these, uh, uh, yeah. These challenges to to book reading, to libraries, to educators, and, and to protect your First Amendment right to read stuff, even if, as you told me once, the cops don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but this year in particular, uh, Ban Books Week is going to focus on comics and graphic novels. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how the CBLDF will be working with a variety
2: of First Amendment uh, organizations and library organizations to uh, to do to do just that. Sure, it's hugely exciting. Since 1982. Banned Books Week has existed is the only national celebration of the freedom to read and it provides a great hanger for the library world and the publishing world and the retailing world to come out and support the freedom to read whatever materials you would want and so Of course, there are still issues where books like To Kill a Mockingbird are continued to be challenged, but in recent years, we've seen more challenges to comics and graphic novels. In fact, this year, the number one most challenged book is Captain Underpants by Dave Pilkey, and the number ten most challenged book is Bone by Jeff Smith. And so the National Committee, which includes the Legal Defense Fund, Mm -hmm. uh, the American Library Association, the Association of American Publishers, the ABA, and, and others... Um, decided that now is the time to create a national dialogue about comics and the freedom that they are guaranteed. And so it's a great threshold opportunity for libraries and retailers to create dialogue about why this is a valuable medium of expression and why it deserves the same level of protection as all of these other classics we've come to revere but that are still challenged year after year after year. Well, uh, Band Books Week is
1: September 21st through... 21 through your 28th. 28th. Um, Now, you're going to be doing some specific activities. There's going to be a Google Hangout event to kind of kick it off. Can you tell us a little
2: bit about that? Absolutely. If you go to cbldf.org regularly, you'll see that we have tremendous resources to support this year's Band Books Week theme. And it kicks off uh, the day before this podcast goes live, but you can go to YouTube and check out a... uh, Google Hangout on Air that is going to be uh, featuring Corey Doctorow, where we're going to be we're talking also. about the recent ban of Little Brother on a Florida oh, yes, yes. Uh, in a Florida uh, uh, summer reading program yes. that the Legal Defense Fund is condemned, and we're working to get the book reinstated. And we're also going to be talking about our plans moving ahead. So at the ALA Annual in Las Vegas, we're premiering a 16-page handbook on... Fan Books Week, all about how you can celebrate Fan Books Week using comics. When is ALA? This is the American Library American Association. American Library Association yeah. Annual. Yeah. Is, uh, it starts June 26th, okay. and it goes until July 1st. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, you'll be able to order it through Diamond Previews, if you're a mm-hmm. comic book retailer, cool. or through the CBLDF. Uh, we've got a committee of librarians putting together a great amount of programming mm-hmm. on great. our website. Uh, different dialogue, discussion guides, um, we're going to have a Band Books Week kit with caution tape and signage that you can use to create the display in your store. And it's all just kind of facilitating you, the listener at home, to create a Band Books Week activity in your community. Because the best way to fight censorship is community engagement about why these things matter. And so we're hoping to become the conduit to facilitate these ad hoc events happening out there. I mean, and this is something, obviously, that you do
1: 365 days a year help retailers, help librarians, help teachers prepare themselves when they're faced with uh, people who want to decide
2: uh, illegally, essentially, yes. what you can read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- a- absolutely. There, it's amazing how many First Amendment emergencies happen with such great frequency. We publish a weekly newsletter that I know you get, Calvin. Every yes, single every week, week yes. there's something in there about somebody has banned this book or somebody is trying to restrict access to this form of story. And the truth is that We fight for the fact that as Americans, we should be the guides of our own intellectual development. We should be the guides of our children's intellectual development. If you don't want your kid reading Watchmen, absolutely, that's your right. But don't take it away from other people in the community. And so we stand up for those rights.
1: And it's amazing how many of these, just as you said, every title you've mentioned here are books that are either acclaimed by teachers or raved about by the comics press. I mean... Uh, we have the uh, the experience of watching Allison Bechtel's uh, Fun Home be challenged at a at a college at a college. Yeah. At a college if you can believe that.
2: Well, uh, what's so shocking about Bechtel? Yeah, funding challenge. Yeah, they, 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 the state the state legislature yeah. had early this year begun trying to take away funding to punish the school for something that already happened. So yeah. last year. They have a annual freshman reading program where you can voluntarily read this book that is funded by the school. And because it dealt with LGBT themes, yes. the state legislature has attempted to t- punish the school by cutting their funding. The so-called compromise that was reached was, we're not going to cut the funding, but we're going to earmark it to be used to teach the Constitution. Well, that is still an unlawful meddling in academic yes. freedom. Yeah. And if you... <laughs> What you would learn from
1: that course would be that you (laughs) you can read what you want. (laughs) You can read what you want, but we're going to tell teachers how to do their jobs. Absolutely. But you you guys do a great, great work. Uh, You go at shows. You're at many shows like this every year. Uh, So um, it's great to talk to you. Um, We hope our, our listeners get out there and get involved. Uh, in September when band books be rolled around. But really, this is something that you need to think about all year long.
2: Absolutely. All right. Thanks thank so, so much, Calvin. Absolutely great to talk to you. Alright, thank you.
3: This is Matt White. I'm at Special Edition NYC, speaking with Daniel Corey, writer on Moriarty and the just-released Red City from Image Comics.
4: So, how are you doing? doing good i'm happy to be back in new york based out in la i love being here uh for the big show in october when i heard they were doing a special edition show i especially since red city is releasing this week perfect I right, yeah i hopped right on yeah. so i knew it would be a good time
3: and do you like i see, it seems like a lot of people like the show because it's a little more comics focused a little bit more manageable yeah than, i guess you know the new york the other show in october yeah. and has that been your your thoughts so far
4: yeah, these are definitely the hardcore comic fans, and uh, you know, people are. Uh, I've had more than us, uh, more than a few people tell me how much they they love print print books, you know. Uh, so these are like the real book readers, the real comic readers. Yeah, they're they they're not here for the movies and the TV show. They're here for they're here for what I'm providing. and I like that.
3: <laughs> and how's it been so far, uh, sales wise? Been moving a lot of books, or
4: yeah, doing really well. Um, for some reason here in New York, like I have this Moriarty series that I do for Image Comics. There's a lot of Sherlock Holmes fans here. It seems like more so than anywhere else. So like the Moriarty series just moves really great here, and since Red City's brand new, people are uh, you know are intrigued by that. So it's been going really well so far. And
3: uh, describe Red City. I know you, you told me I yeah. described it before, but
4: sure, sure. about? Yeah, Red City is the, is the new um, a new comic series uh, that I'm doing for Image Comics, and it's uh, the basic pitch is it's L.A. Confidential on Mars. So it's uh, gritty crime noir, but in outer space, in a, in a distant future, humans mixing with aliens, political intrigue, and rival alien mobs, and a uh, kind of a hard boiled detective at the center of it all. And. Uh
3: where, where, where did the idea come from? I mean, decide, are you a big crime novel fan, and you also like sci-fi, and you just kind of threw them together, or how did it start out?
4: Well, yeah, I just had this idea of it would be kind of neat to be do have this kind of uh, planet-hopping detective, you know, that has to solve crimes, not, you know, it's like... In shoot in crime and in crime films, you, you got detectives that have to deal with different districts, different states, and that's kind of a big deal. Well, what if they had to jump a whole other worlds, yeah. You know, so uh, that was kind of the uh, kind of the interest there. It's just just taking it out of the realm, doing something really fantastic with the crime procedural. And uh,
3: Mark Dos Santos is the artist.
4: Yeah, yeah, we got uh, uh, Mark Dos Santos, uh, Chris Fenoglio doing color, Dave Lanfear on letters. Uh, and uh, our first issue features a really great pinup by Justin Harder on the, on the last page. Okay, cool. So,
5: yeah.
4: And
3: uh, is it an ongoing series, or is it? Do you have a set number it's going to go to, or?
4: Um, right now, we're. Uh, it's mainly plugging it as a mini series. You know, we'll do as many volumes as we can. We'll see what happens. But uh, the first story arc will be a complete story. It'll be four issues in a volume one. Cool. So, and Moriarty is that? Seems like you've got
3: a second and a third, or is that? I got uh,
4: got two volumes of that. Okay. Yeah, Moriarty was published in two volumes, and we took the two volumes and published them together into the deluxe edition hardcover. Here, okay, yeah, cool. and um, that's uh, that's uh, you know it's a, kind of a series of any series.
3: Yeah. And is there any is it finished Moriarty or is there any more
4: coming? There's, there's more coming, you know, it's just a matter of getting it together. But uh, I do have volume three written. So it's oh, a okay. of getting the production together.
3: There you go. Very cool. And uh, broad question, right now what's what's kind of exciting you right now in comics? What are you like what are you into? Anything it could be specific, could be you know, very broad
4: or Well um you know, as far as, like, the big two go, you know, uh, just like everybody, I'm enjoying, like, you know, I love the, the Hawkeye series, which I really just kind of came to recently. Oh, yeah. On, on, um, at Marvel. I'm kind of digging this new Elektra uh, piece that they're doing. And then, um, you know, I'm reading the Batman Eternal, really kind of getting into that
1: by Stephanie Brown's
4: back oh, yeah. uh, but the real stuff what I'm really into is kind of like what vertigo and image are doing you know like vertigo I'm like diehard uh, American vampire uh, fan love love that series and that just uh, came back too right yeah yeah. They're, just, yeah they're in their second cycle now and then with image it's just pretty much everything that's coming out you know so I try to sample and get into as much as the of the new image stuff that I can I know
3: it seems like image every week they've got a new Cool book coming out, Red yeah. City being one of them, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta check this out now, and it's almost too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's killing my wallet. I keep yeah. buying more and more series, and yeah, it's hard to keep track of them sometimes. So find. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Yeah, but there's just so much new and so much interesting and so much different uh, stuff you're not going to see anywhere else that's coming out of Image. So that's what's so great. And yeah.
3: it's creator-owned, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you're really in charge of what you're doing. You know, yeah. That seems to be, a lot of people seem to like that a lot. So it's yeah. really cool that that's kind of becoming the norm. So yeah. this is a good thing.
4: It's like with, uh, you know, with bigger companies. It's like the companies have an overall majority voice, which is uh, their editorial teams work very hard on. And that's a very good thing. That's what they do with Image is. It's kind of like there's so many individual voices that are so distinct that that becomes the unified voice of the company as all these you know amazing individuals all together. Yeah, that's what that's another great thing about Image.
3: Cool. Well, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or?
4: Um, I'll mention um, I have my, uh, uh, my book Prophets Danger Cats Profit that I, I put out and uh, it's available digitally now it's on Comixology and I'm at the show here selling it on these six gun shaped uh, hard drives it's a <laughs> post-apocalyptic spaghetti western basically okay. and um, it's been optioned for film by the, the producers of the Twilight series so the movie for that is in development right now cool. so that's another, that's another cool thing we got going on that's exciting
3: yeah yeah well, uh, thanks so much sure. for talking. Good luck at the show. Thank you. This is uh, Matt White. I'm here at Special Edition NYC, speaking with Frank Cho, artist of many books, including Electra. And uh, how are you? How's a uh, how's this yeah, convention been so not far? Electra. No.
0: No. Oh, I a... do Savage Wolverine okay. and uh, and Liberty Meadows and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah, all right.
3: And you just had. a... Uh, Jungle Girl, I think, is what, yeah, one Jungle of your books? Girl,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm doing a new one called Jungle Queen. Jungle Queen? All right. And that's a creator owned book, or yep, is it? Yeah, that's a creator owned book that's coming out next year.
3: And um, what are you here promoting for right now? Just the Hulk and Savage Wolverine?
0: Uh, I'm just here uh, because they invited me. <laughs> and just to visit a bunch of my New York friends.
3: That's cool. Where are you from originally? Uh, Baltimore. Okay, so not too far. Yeah, it's no, like a three hour train ride. Yeah, yeah it's not. So bad gives you time to read, I guess. Right. Sleep maybe.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what I need.
3: And so, how's uh, the convention been going so far?
0: Convention has been going great. Uh, you know, fans been wonderful, and uh, and I'm, you know, just enjoying hanging out with my buddies. And uh, it's been a good good show. Thank you. And
3: How's Wolverine been? Has that been a dream project for you, or is it? Uh, yeah, something... it's
0: definitely one of my uh, uh, my favorite one of my favorite characters growing up. So it was actually uh, great to uh, write and draw him uh, for Marvel. Way to
3: do, it. do you normally write and draw most of your books, or are you? Do you just draw a lot of them?
0: Well, I mean, most at at Marvel, I mostly just uh, draw it. But you know, uh, but they allow me to uh, write it and draw uh, stuff. But it's mostly drawing. But now with all my creator-owned stuff, I'm writing and drawing. And you prefer that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't have to uh, follow uh, you know someone else's uh, writing or story. You know, because there's always since I'm a writer myself, I I see you know room for improvements and stuff like that or or i would do a different take on it and but you can't because you have to follow script you know so writing and drawing my own stuff is just complete freedom
3: and how did you uh get into the comic comic business i mean started out like how did you start out Uh, completely by
0: accident uh i mean i've always wanted to be a comic book artist but i didn't know how um I went to nursing school. I have a nursing degree. Okay. So uh, I broke into comics by accident. I mean, uh, I drew for the student newspaper in college, and then that got me a a syndication deal uh, to do newspaper comic strip, and I did that for five years at Liberty Meadows, and then through that. I got picked up by Image uh, Image Comics and then uh, that led to uh, someone at Marvel noticing my work and just calling me up and offering me a job so I've been very lucky I, I know you're very well known for uh, drawing women
3: and that's kind of like uh, are you okay with that being kind of like a thing or yeah I
0: just That's me. by me yeah. I'm actually doing a, a drawing beautiful women art book uh, art instruction book uh at John Fless uh, publication yeah, that's coming out in October. That
3: should be pretty cool. I mean, I'm sure people will pick that up. And uh, kind of a broad question right now in comics. I mean, what are you? what's getting you excited? Or what are you kind of looking forward to?
0: Uh, I have like literally like five creator-owned projects I'm working on. So I'm going to start launching all of them uh, one by one into uh, this year.
3: Okay, so that's so a big 2014. Well, yeah, big 2014
0: and big 20, 2015. The next two years
3: are going to be insane. Oh, that sounds great. And good luck to you.
0: Thank
3: you. This is Matt White. I'm at Special Edition NYC talking to James S. Rich, writer of A Boy and a Girl, and the upcoming The Mind's Arrow, Archer Co., The Thousand Natural Shocks. So how are you doing?
5: Pretty good. How about yourself?
3: I'm doing all right. Been walking around a little bit. It's kind of a nice show. It's like Comic Con minus the crazy, almost.
5: Yeah. What really attracted me to it was when they said it was going to be only comic books. Yeah. And and for me particularly as a writer, it can be hard to make your way at a comic book convention because so you don't have art to sell. So you're just selling books. So it's nice to be at a show where people are here specifically to buy books. Yeah. And have you been? Uh, how's that been going? People Business up has some? been really good. The Archer Co. and the Thousand Natural Shocks is debuting here. It's not even going to be out for a couple weeks in shops. So people have been coming looking for that and basically been buying, I've, for for me, I've done really well so far. This a storm show.
3: Uh, do you want to talk about Archer Co. a little bit? What it's about
5: and yeah, how it came to be? It's kind of a surreal murder mystery and instead of a private detective though, it's a stage hypnotist. Okay. And I wanted to kind of play around with these various tropes and, and tell a, a crime, traditional crime story but with an, an odder bent. And so he actually can travel into people's minds and he's tracking a killer that the police suspect is him oh. and he kind of becomes confused as he goes to what oh. the connection is and that's from Oni Press yes which do they also do yeah they did a boy and a girl boy I and do girl. do various things through Oni uh, they did a boy and, and, and a and girl M- last M- year M- yeah? it was my last book with them it's a futuristic romance story with the artificial intelligence oh and uh Aside from Archer Co, what else have you got coming up, coming down currently, the pipe? Currently, the main thing I have is right now Image Comics is serializing um, Madame Frankenstein, which is seven issues. Okay. And it's a kind of the, the basic elevator pitch on that was it was uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Bride of Frankenstein, set in the 30s, and it's it's a rip on on um, the mythos, but we're trying to kind of a little more towards Pygmalion and My Fair Lady, as the mad scientist is trying to build this perfect woman. All
3: right, and that's currently in issues right now. Yes.
5: Probably early next year we'll do a collection through Image as well.
3: Sounds good. And I mean, right now, what what are you excited about happening in comics right now?
5: I'm really kind of enjoying all the stuff Monkey Brain is doing. Okay. The idea that you can... And I'm actually doing a book for them called The Double Life of Miranda Turner because I like this idea that you can do shorter comics through digital and use that to build your platform and build an audience and then move on to books. So I think digital is just going to become more and more interesting in how we approach serializing comics and what then the end goal is going to be, which I think is going to be nicer nicer books on the far. Side and just sort of join. There's so much creativity at the moment with creator-owned comics becoming a bigger thing. I, I also really love what Marvel's been doing with the Marvel Now line and Silver Surfer and all and all the stuff Bendis. Not has just been, because you're sitting next to him. I, well, he's a friend of mine as well. I love but, Silver, Silver Surfer. Yeah, so if anything Mike Allred does. Yeah. Uh, but even like the Bendis X-Men stuff yeah. and. Uh, you know, just in general, I feel like it's re- such a creative time for our industry, and, uh, and I think the more we're finding these ways to get our books out there, and just actually improving what we're allowed to do.
3: It is really cool. Like, yeah, the. Seems like Marvel taking a lot of like artistic chances with some of their big characters that I think it's really cool to see Mike Allred doing Silver Surfer and
5: you know Yeah and then stuff like the Daredevil. the changes on Moon Knight and on and Ghost Rider as well with like interesting creative teams and new take on the character that is that sort of keeps the spirit of the older versions but finds new ways to tell stories that's that's what keeps those characters fascinating.
3: Oh yeah, totally. Um, so is there anything else that you got to get off your chest, or <laughs> no? Seem uh, to be having a pretty good time.
5: Uh, yeah, I don't special have any edition, the barrier right now. But, no. Uh, but no, I think just, yeah, just keep doing what I'm doing, and sort of that's the kind of the, the thing in comics is if you're crazy enough to keep going, then there's a place for you.
3: Eventually, people notice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Have man. a good time at the con. This is uh, Matt White. I'm here at Special Edition NYC, speaking with uh, Jason Latour, artist of books like The Winter Soldier and uh, all-new Southern Bastards with writer Jason Aaron from Image Comics. And uh, how's it been going? Too bad. It's good to be
6: back here. Uh, where were you before? <laughs> uh, I'm from North Carolina, so I flew up for the day. Or for the weekend.
3: Okay, and how's the show been so far?
6: Pretty good, man. Nice, steady float. Do you like it better
3: than uh, New York Comic Con? Have you been to the other one? Or
6: I usually don't... Um, I haven't come to New York Comic Con as a guest, so uh, I easily just come and
2: walk around. Uh,
6: I like uh, when I set up. I like smaller shows. So uh, this has a nice sort of smaller show feel to it so far.
2: That's
3: what it seems like. Yeah, like a lot of just the kind of the comic centric yeah, part you know, of the like show, it. which is nice, and everyone's here for the books as opposed to anything else. And uh, talk to me about Southern Bastards. I know it just second issue just came out and. I hear all great things. So, how's that been
6: going? It's been tremendous, man. I can't believe. Uh, you know, I expected people to like it because, uh, you know, you don't do do things that you don't feel like uh, a connection to, especially create your own comics. Um, but I'm still pretty blown away with uh, just how uh, gracious. Or I mean, how. Um, yeah, okay. how, how well yeah, not it's been, been received. I'm yeah.
1: Yeah.
6: working with Jason Aaron. How's that been? It's terrible. It's, it's like pulling it. teeth. <laughs> no, it's been great. Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: now, did he? Did you guys both come up with the? Uh, yes. The idea, and it was, it's been kind of a collaboration. Yeah, it's kind of a thing way. we've been
6: gestating dating yeah. uh, for yeah. a few years now.
3: And what's the book about?
6: Uh, well, it's about um, it's about a county in Alabama uh, that is uh, kind of uh, full of bastards. <laughs> no, I mean the high the high concept thing we keep uh, referring to is sort of like um, uh, the, the Dukes of Hazard by the Cohen Brothers. Okay, um, it's uh it begins, the first arc at least is about, it starts with a, a guy named Earl Tubb who uh, grew up in this county in the 40s, or 40 years ago, I'm sorry, not in the 40s. Uh, and his father was a famous lawman, uh, and he and his father never really quite got along, and so he uh, escapes the town. Uh, goes off to Vietnam, comes back to Alabama but moves to Birmingham which people from his hometown would consider like a big city
1: Um, and
6: uh, on the so 40 years after he left he has to come back home to move his 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 elderly and infirm uncle's stuff out of the family home and he runs into uh, a county that's like that would basically cause his father to roll in his grave. Uh, the town that, the, the county that his father had cleaned up is
7: worse Wife than with bastards. Yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> so it's uh, kind of him coming to terms with his father's legacy as well as like his own feelings about his life. Cleaning up the town. Yeah. And well, being forced with the decision, is he gonna follow in his father's footsteps or not?
3: Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you enjoy working on creator-owned stuff as opposed to what's say uh, Winter Soldier here, or even Fletch
6: Hammer? I like working on um, all of it. Yeah. Uh, it's just different gears. You know? uh, um, obviously, like the creator-owned work is more uh, freedom. Yes, but uh, it doesn't and it's personal, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily more more or less personal. Uh, freedom um, changes the dynamic.
5: Uh, um,
6: I the, my kind of sloppy uh, analogy for it is that um, with the with the with the work for hire stuff you're more like Mick Jagger and kind of strut on stage. Uh huh. And with the creator homework you kind of get to lay back and try to pretend to be Keith Richards.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah. And uh, right now. Uh what are you? Uh, anything here at the show that has kind of caught your eye, or anything in general, comics that is right now um, making you happy, getting you excited?
6: Um, generally, aside just, from Southern Baptist, I'm generally, uh, generally just inside excited by. It feels like both in the mainstream and um, in like you know the image genre. In indie comics kind of areas we're kind of in a creative renaissance uh huh it's just nice to be pushed by like your peers yeah want to uh, uh and to have beyond that to just have a readership that seems to be accepting of like new ideas and new takes on things even if they are like superheroes or things that are established in the mainstream um I don't know,
3: just a variety of different styles. That even like seeing here yeah, exactly. and how people are lining up for you know all kinds of artists, not just like you know the biggest names. But
6: yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, I've signed more Southern Bastards this weekend than any comic I've ever signed. I've wow, I've been here for like you know three hours. That's great.
3: No, yeah, that's definitely good. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes here and uh, good luck with the rest of the show. Matt White. I'm here at Special Edition NYC with Rosemary Kiladitas. I get it. All right. Who is uh, here with Reading with Pictures, which uh, aims to bring graphic novels into the classroom? So, uh, <laughs> what's it all about? Can run down?
7: Okay. Reading with Pictures is a nonprofit organization, and we're committed to bringing comic books and graphic novels into the classroom, uh, especially now with the Common Core curriculum really demanding more dense and information-heavy texts. We're not
5: fiction,
7: right? Right. Um, And it's a perfect chance for graphic novels to jump in because we can have dense and heavy information-heavy text, but we can make it readable. So what we've got this year coming is our graphic textbook, and we have graphic artists and comic book writers who have created Common Core-aligned lesson plans in history, English, math, and science. Uh, my favorite is a comic shall, called, called Probama, and it shows children how to use how to use probability, how to do probability in a Pokemon type setting. Okay. And it's great. It's got the charts. It's teaching kids logic proofs. Yeah. But they're not stressed about it because they all love Pokemon. They all love cartoons. Pokemon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we also have a teacher's guide that will help educators bring these curricula into the classroom, bring these lesson plans in and use them, and just get kids. It brings some of the fun back into teaching and some of the joy back into learning.
3: And what would you say to somebody who would almost kind of look down at comics, maybe? Like an educator who might say, comic books.
5: Oh,
7: uh. Uh, I would tell them that they haven't even scratched the surface with what comic books can do in the classroom. Even with the youngest readers. I'm a children's services librarian, And I tell parents all the time that comic books, first of all, it's accessible to the eye. It's really, it's fun, it's interesting to look at, it's exciting. Grab their attention. Right. And it's also sequential. The art is sequential. It teaches kids that things happen in a sequence. And then it also brings words and text together, so it deepens the meaning. You can have an action shot and then a reaction shot. So it shows children. It's great when it's on the page, but especially with young readers and young learners, they can understand that what someone does directly affects another person, another thing, and they can see how that happens right in front of them.
3: I know I've been reading a little bit about even... uh, they've done tests showing that reading a comic is actually one of the better forms of like, transmitting information just like you said, because it's visual and it's engaging you reading so right. it's and almost even, a no-brainer like right. why isn't it happening already exactly. or more? Or
7: You have kids now especially when they get into second and third grade and they start breaking them up into reading groups within the classroom they have to do what they call information shocking they read a book and they have post-its all throughout the book where they're chunking the information they read or on a particular page. Uh, well, comic books do that naturally. Yeah. novels do that naturally. The information is broken up into panels, into chunks of information. So it's a really great way to transmit information. And even as children get older, and you have middle grade, and then eventually middle school and high school, you have texts like Mouse, like Persepolis. And uh, there's a couple of new ones coming up. There's another one about the Holocaust called Hidden, that... Tell real stories about real people.
3: And you'd want to see potentially, like, Mouse next to Diary of Anne Frank, right? Like, taught the same... Yeah, why absolutely. not? Yeah, of course. There's no reason why
7: it shouldn't yeah. be. They should absolutely be read together.
3: Uh-huh. And so, um... So what else? Like, you have the textbook coming out now, and I mean, is there anything else that you're?
7: We have a website, okay. uh, Readingwithpictures.org, and that's kind of a clearinghouse for educators, parents, anybody who's interested in bringing comic books and learning together. You can go to the website. You can contribute by uploading any lesson plans or any papers that you may have about education and graphic novels, or you can download them and bring them to your own class, to your children, to your library.
3: My mom is an English teacher, middle school, so I hear all about the Common Core and all that. But, you know, maybe I'll find a way to get her to get a comic book in the classroom. I hope so. Yeah, it could happen. All right, well, uh, good luck with everything. I mean, I hope it works out. Thank you so much. Something to get behind, yeah.